Welcome to Greatness, where the world's leading thinkers share their ideas about how to create greatness. Great leaders, great teams, and great organizations. Why be good when you can be great? This is Gretchen Gagel with Greatness Consulting, and I am so thrilled to welcome my longtime friend, Brent Darnell, to the Greatness Podcast. Welcome, Brent. Thank you, Gretchen. It's such a pleasure to, to talk to you again, and, and to, I'm honored to be a guest on, on your podcast, and I look forward to, to catching up during this a little bit. Yeah, so Brent and I have known each other. Oh, gosh, I always hate to add up all the years that I've known people because it just makes <laughs> me feel old, but we've known each other in the construction industry for quite some time, and I hold Brent in the highest regard. I have to say that you are absolutely one of my favorite people in the industry because of your focus on the health and well-being, emotional health and physical health of the people that work in our industry. So tell us a little bit about how you got interested in the topics of emotional intelligence and and physical well-being, specifically in the construction industry. Well, I was actually working for Skanska, the big Swedish contractor, and doing some leadership development programs for them. And we were looking for something to focus on. And we looked at all these different things like DISC and Myers-Briggs and 16PF. And I mean, there's, there's thousands out there. And we came across emotional intelligence. And we thought, wow, what a good fit this is for this industry, because it really measures something that a personality test doesn't measure. It, what what it turned out for me to be a lot of these typical emotional profiles for construction people, I think are the root causes of many of the industry issues. So, and and that turned out to be the case. So, we did that for um, for Skanska, and then I started doing it as a consultant a couple of years later when I started my business in two thousand two, teaching emotional intelligence and these critical people skills to the industry. And um, back in 2002, it was really weird. I was the weirdo, right? Um, like, why would we focus You're on that? You're a pioneer, Brent. You're not a weirdo. Yes. You're a pioneer. <laughs> okay. let's. I like that term a lot better. Um, so then this was the curious part. This is where the wellness component came in. I kept having, like, I'd have a superintendent that was 50 pounds overweight, and I'd see his emotional profile, and he would be the alpha, you know, kind of control person, and I'd tell my wife, who's a chiropractor and a naturopath, I'd say, you know what? I got this superintendent and he's 50 pounds overweight and he can't lose an, an ounce. He's, he's running like 25 miles a week and he can't lose weight. And she goes, I bet he has some sugar handling or biliary liver issues. And she has a, an evaluation that she uses that will show how your body's working and how these body systems are working, whether they're atrophied or whether they're not working right. So we said, okay. Dean, you be our guinea pig and take this emotional uh, emotional test and the physical test. It's just physical tests based on symptoms. And we saw that it, he had, indeed, sugar handling issues, which means his body wasn't uh, processing carbs well. And uh, he also had biliary and liver issues, so he was kind of toxic and gunked up. So we worked on both. We worked on things like letting go of control and worked on his empathy and impulse control. And he also worked on the physical part. And started eating better. And he was a total sugarholic. And this was, this gosh, this has been 15 years ago now. So he faxed Andrea his, his, all of his food intake and she would mark it up 
and sent it back to him. And we gradually modified his diet and looked at his stress levels and we got much better results. Well, then, then she told me, hey, I've got this patient and she's a middle-aged woman and she's postmenopausal, and she's overweight and can't lose weight. And I said, I bet she has some impulse control and maybe self-regard things going on. So she gave her the emotional intelligence test. And then we started seeing all these correlations between the emotional and the physical. And they were so consistent. Like if we saw an alpha, we, we always saw biliary and liver issues in the top two, which, and by the way, Chinese medicine associates biliary and liver issues with anger and frustration and impatience. So they always take into account the emotional side of your physical health and well-being. Uh, whenever we see a self-sacrificer, which is high empathy and lower assertiveness, we see sugar handling issues 95% of the time. They will have trouble with carbs or they, they're sugarholics or carboholics. So we work on both. We work on not only the emotional components that contribute to that behavior that they don't want, but we work on the physical components as well. We just kept adding things and brought in elements of stress management and things like we focused on sleep. How do we get better sleep? So it became this whole journey to, wow, we could get to where we're looking at peak levels of mental, physical, and emotional performance, just like almost like an athlete, like a corporate athlete. So that's what our programs are all about. We look at, at all of those components, and it's a, it's a much more holistic approach. And I've always thought it was really weird that this industry, we put people on multi-billion dollar projects, and they, they're under a lot of stress, and they don't get in a lot of sleep, and they eat crappy food, and they don't exercise, and then we expect them to perform at a high level. Well, that's just insane. When you, when you think about it. So we look at that, that performance and how we can bring in higher levels of performance. And it's a testament to the people in the industry. They do perform at a high level and they, and they finish the projects, but guess what? It comes at a really high cost because you see people in the industry, they're overweight, they're out of shape, they're having health issues, they're having heart attacks, they're having diabetes. And we have the sec, the, the highest suicide rate of any industry. So that's a testament to the amazing people in the industry, but there's a high cost involved. And that's what we want to focus on is how can we create an industry where people go through the industry and they, they, they retire really healthy and full of vigor and, you know, enjoy their retirement instead of having health issues as a result of all the stuff they did throughout their careers. I think that's one of the reasons, Brent, that I admire you so much, because when I think about our industry, we are a caring industry. We build society. People take the projects that we do very seriously, but we don't take care of people. We have caring people, but we don't take care of them. I think that's true. And, and that's true at the management level. And it's true at the craft level as well. I mean, look at, look at some of the guys in the trades. They're, they, they look older than they are. A lot of times they're addicted to nicotine and caffeine and alcohol. And I mean, it, it's a, it's a, part of the culture of this industry. And I think we need to really address that and, and look at, at working differently and look at educating them on healthy lifestyles. And I think we're doing them a disservice by not addressing those kinds of issues and not offering those kinds of resources to the people that are actually building these projects. Yeah. So you've got the fourth edition of your book coming out, The People Profit Connection. Did I get that title right? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. 
The subtitle is How to Transform the Future of Construction by Focusing on People. It's one of the books that I actually brought with me to Australia. I had to trim down to 50 books to ship over here. And it's one of the ones that made it over here with me. But tell us the highlights. So we've talked about the problem, but what do we do about it? How do we, how do we take better care of people in our industry and why? Some of the chapters are things like, you know, there's, there's one on stress. It's about really educating our people as to what that means to, to manage their stress in a good way and to eat better and to, to have some kind of exercise program. I've encouraged people for years to put in exercise rooms and quiet rooms, even on projects, but definitely in the offices. And, and nobody, I don't think anybody's ever done it. I think it's just about focusing on the people and their needs. To me, it's a health and safety issue. And the whole idea that we have the highest suicide rate of any industry, I think we need to pay attention and start talking to people about these mental health issues and give them the resources to be able to cultivate their highest levels of physical health as well. You know, it's amazing the statistics on people that are just in burnout or really struggling with the stress that they have. And it's it's a highly stressful industry, but we make it worse by sort of a turning a blind eye to that. All those things show up in their emotional profiles as well. We can tell if someone's in burnout. We can see it in their profile. They'll have lower self-regard, lower self-actualization, which means they've sort of lost their purpose and meaning, lower relationship skills because the relationships take a lot of time and energy and effort, and lower stress tolerance, which means they're not handling stress well, and then lower happiness and optimism. When we see all six of those in the low ranges, we know somebody's really in burnout, and then we can address it. I think that the culture in the industry is to kind of tough through it, you know, man up, you know, get through the stress, leave all that stuff at the door. We got a job to do. And I, I think we're really doing a disservice to the industry and, and to our people by having that attitude. And, and when you look at retention and tr- trying to draw people to the industry, which we desperately need now, uh, it's not a very nurturing industry. It's not... I don't think people feel really taken care of so much in many parts of the industry. I'm I'm sure there are companies, individual companies that are doing better than others, but as an industry, it's kind of sink or swim, throw you in the deep end and you just have to tough it out and and get the results. And that's, that's the, the culture. So I think we have to really look at the basics of the culture we've created and the results that we've created, which is a lot of people that are having those health issues, and then really address it head on and look at their emotional profiles, look at their physical profiles and give yeah. them resources to be better. Yeah. So that leads me to my next question, Brent. So I'm, I'm the CEO of a large construction company or an engineering firm. What do I do? I mean, what are the steps that I take to really start thinking about how to take care of our people? Well, I'd say, first of all, talk to your people and ask them what they want. And my guess is you're going to find that that they want better life balance and they want to not work 80-hour weeks. They want good health and they they want to spend time with their families and they want some recreation and some time for themselves. So I think it's starting the discussion is the first step and say, 
it's a way of showing that you care about them and say, hey, we care about you and we see that you're struggling and we see you're working a lot of hours and uh, what can we do as a company to help with that? And there's lots of things you can do. You can give them more flexible work hours. You can bring in some of these evaluations and start talking about their health and well-being and their emotional profiles and, and talk about how you can get higher levels of performance. And, and there's, you know, you don't, you don't need me to do that. You, you can do that on your own. You can just start this discussion, start bringing the resources in. And, you know, to me, it's a, it's a great retention tool as well, because if you make people's lives better, why would they risk going somewhere else that, that might not treat them as well or might not care about them so much that they want them to have a you know, really nice, healthy, long life? There's, there's lots of things we talk about in the book, real specifics about that, about, um, you know, just simple things like on projects to talk to these food trucks and say, you know what, stop with the frozen burritos and the, and the Red Bull and monster energy drinks. If you bring some healthy stuff out here, we're going to get somebody else to come back out. here. So it's about exploring those different ways of bringing in elements that people will respond to in a positive way. And that's about bringing in healthy food and talking about the stress levels that are there and providing resources to create less, you know, handling stress better. We've got companies that are doing meditation and stuff and mindfulness stuff and yoga in the, in the offices. They've got exercise rooms and they're starting to do all these mind body things that really help with performance and help with health and well-being and help with people just having a better life. Yeah, that's so great. So you you've built your your book and your practice and everything around a huge amount of data in our industry. Tell us about the the data that you've collected and what it what it says to us about the people in our industry. Well, I've got I, I'm able to look at the emotional profiles and slice and dice that data because I've got so much now in a lot of different ways. So we can look at like a superintendent's profile versus an estimator's profile. So superintendents have really high assertiveness and independence, but lower emotional self-awareness and lower empathy skills and lower interpersonal relationship skills. And, and you would expect that to be true. Uh, here's what we found, though. The, the, the superintendents that I've, I've worked with with those typical profiles, when we work on things like empathy, and relationship skills and being able to express more, they, they become superstars because they're able to drive a project, but they're also able to bring in elements of the human side of that equation. And people perform better because they feel that this superintendent is taking care of them as a human being. And by the way, when you look at the, the highest, we have the highest suicide rate, look at that profile. So we have low emotional expression, low interpersonal relationships, low empathy skills, uh, really high assertiveness and independence. So when you look at that and you couple that with this hyper-masculine work environment where you can't be vulnerable and you can't ask for help and you can't be struggling with anything, it's a real recipe for disaster. For every individual, we look at their individual profiles and we're able to, to create plans and improve the areas that create a little bit more balance in their profile. And so they perform at a higher level. Um, then we've also done this by age. So we can see the different elements of the, the emotional profile. There's 16 different emotional competencies. 
and what tends to, to trend up with age and what tends to trend down with age. And it's really interesting to see. And, and for some reason, the 30s seem to be the worst decade for everybody. I don't, I don't know if there's any like hard data behind that, but I know my 30s really was a bad decade for me. Um, so they, they seem to kind of tank in their 30s. And then emotional intelligence generally increases with age until you get to be about 55 or 60. And then it starts going down. So I'm not sure exactly what that means either, but, but we can see that in the data. We also did male versus female, which was really interesting. And so females tend to have higher empathy, higher social responsibility, which means they're better in groups and teams. They have higher emotional expression, but they tend to have lower assertiveness and independence and problem solving skills as well. Females tend to have lower stress tolerance than males. I think it's about, again, creating diverse teams and diverse project teams so that when you think about if you have a good mix of males and females, you get this sort of perfect emotional profile average that's uh, this beautiful balanced profile that has the assertiveness to get the job done and the empathy and relationship skills to get the human side. Yeah, there's so much research out there. Now there was a big write-up in the New York Times a few years ago about um, measuring the IQ of teams and how smart is a team. And the number one predictor of how smart a team is, is are there women on it? And mm-hmm. it relates back to the relational side. It's not, it's not that women are smarter, but it's that diversity and the different skills that women bring to a team. So I find that that really right. fascinating. And in your new edition of your book, you said you've got some really concrete tools in there to help oh, people yeah. understand all of this. There's an appendix where you can take an emotional intelligence test. It, it tells you what your profile means once you've taken the test and graphed your results. We've got a really cool uh, initial project tool called the Four Quadrants, which allows people to get to know each other uh, in a really powerful way. We've got something called the Body Battery Inventory which measures your stress versus recovery. And you can start making some changes in that dynamic. Uh, We've got 52 toolbox safety topics that are the emotional side of safety. They're our primal safety program, which talks a lot about the emotional side of safety. And, And all these 52 toolbox topics have to do with the human part of safety. We also have some, just some little, little coaching things that are real helpful and, coaching it's called outcome coaching where you just ask questions and write down people's answers and it gives them some clarity and a way to move forward so there's lots of really good stuff in here and it's also available it's a it's a paperback but it's also an ebook and it's a it's an audio book as well great the people profit connection i have to say brent that um i think your work is critical it's interesting when you were talking about people showing up as an athlete Because in my courses that I teach here at the Australian National University around leadership, that's what I tell people is to think about yourself showing up as a leader, as an athlete. Like, have you gotten the right amount of sleep? Are you eating right? Are you managing your stress well? And I know that working personally with you, I've learned so much about my emotional intelligence. Brent has been an emotional intelligence coach for myself and the employees of uh, my former company, uh, Continuum Advisory Group. Brent keeps telling me this, the reader, the listeners that know me well will laugh at this, that 
uh, Brent's given me the advice that I should start saying no to things to the point where I'm bored because he knows the busy yes. life that I lead. I've unfortunately been ignoring Brent's advice on that, but so far it's so far I'm still doing okay. But um, I, I just I have so much regard for the your personal passion in decades of working to influence the construction industry to really think differently about how we care for our people. And it is a business decision to do this. It's not just about doing the right thing, that it is a business decision to do this. Oh, I, I agree with that 100%. And the, the companies that have embraced this work and really taken it to a much higher level with focusing on their people and their health and well-being and their performance, it, I, the business results they've gotten have been tremendous. And it's a big commitment. It's a, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy and, and a lot of money. And um, But I think the, the payback on that is also tremendous. And in this work environment where we have this workforce development crisis, it's all about keeping your best people. And, you know, when people say they leave for money, they really don't leave for money. They leave probably because they felt like they weren't being taken care of. And so if you really walk the talk of taking care of your people and make that a priority, I think you're going to reap so many more benefits. And and I think, you know, 10 years ago when you could get anybody you wanted to get and hire just, you know, if you needed people, you just go out and hire them. I think people became commoditized a little bit and we don't have the luxury of doing that anymore. So whether it's a forced caring of human beings or whether we just do it because we do genuinely care about them as human beings. I think we're going to have to start really taking this very seriously in this industry because people will stay away. There's too many other industries that need them, that will treat them much better, that will you know nurture them and, and make them feel included and make them feel like they're being cared about. And We've got to shift that industry image if we want to maintain the industry. Brent, it's always so fun to connect with you. I, um, as I have said, I, I have so much admiration, the people profit connection. I truly recommend this book for our listeners and listeners outside of the construction industry as well. The the things that we're talking about doing, taking care of people, they uh, they're not bounded by any industry. Uh, we Every industry needs to take care of their talent. And I want to thank you, Brent, for taking time to be on Greatness. Gretchen, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. I, I admire you and the work you're doing so much. And, and you're one of the smartest people I know by far. So it's just a pleasure to, to be a part of it. Interested in hearing more? Visit us at greatnessconsulting.com. Thank you.